Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. Wow, it is already mid-April and I'm kind of (laughs) shocked. April was a really magical month for me last year in 2020 and here we are already in 2021. It's crazy and I have a little baby in my arms as you guys are listening to this. However, it was recorded when I was 37 weeks pregnant. So, Full disclaimer, that is when it was recorded. I did a, I, I shouldn't say I did a lot of episodes like to crank them out and get through them. Like it just kind of happened. And I don't know if that was the universe just kind of because I kind of had a surrender moment with this podcast where I said, look, if I'm supposed to keep podcasting along with motherhood, like it will flow, right? I'm not going to be stressed about finding interviews. I'm not going to worry. It's just going to happen. Lo and behold, uh, by the end of February, I was looking at my March calendar. I'm like, I have like eight interviews booked in March, but I already had content through March when we got to March. So here we are today with an incredible guest who she does mention it in the podcast, but in case you uh, miss it, I met Lola Harris on LinkedIn. And you guys know I always share how I meet these incredible people because it's always serendipitous. It's always, you know, unexpected. It's always a friend of a friend or a random LinkedIn message or an Instagram DM or, you know, we these things are just meant to happen. And I know that Lola is meant to be here today because she opens up about things we've never talked about on this podcast, which are postpartum depression and miscarriage. Now, that's not the whole podcast, but those are the things I really want to highlight. And we're not even, you know, three minutes in because we have done a lot of motherhood chatting, given that I am pregnant and I keep it real with what's going on in my life. Um, but we've, we had, you know, Well Nested came on to talk about how their services it will help you get set up for that postpartum period to make sure you feel supported. Because aside from the logistics of having support, like a lactation consultant or a sleep trainer or whatever, and getting it covered by insurance, beyond the logistical side, it's like the mental side, just knowing that you have the support alleviates some stress, right? And then we had uh, Emily Silver and Jamie O'Day from uh, Nurture by Naps on to talk all about prepping for birth, prepping for postpartum, prepping just for parenthood in general. And they're obviously wise women and nurse practitioners. And they talked so much about, so candidly about their experiences as new moms, as veteran moms, and the ways that they support women. But we did not go down on either of those podcasts, you know, a wormhole on what it is actually like to miscarry what it is actually like moment to moment when you are experiencing postpartum depression I recommend right now whether you are pregnant or not you are someone who can get pregnant or not that you listen because the things that she brings up are critical if you are a friend to someone who's pregnant, about to have a baby, if you're a partner to someone who's pregnant or about to have a baby, she just shares just so beautifully, vulnerably on what her experience was like. And it's helpful, I think, to 
here because otherwise if you haven't been through it you can only guess you can only imagine her story is raw and real and given that she's so passionate about motherhood I wouldn't expect anything less but it was really helpful for me to hear because she really catalogs how much she had to advocate for herself Lola did not just, you know, get some pills from a doctor and call it a day. Like, it was a journey. So I really hope that that's helpful for you. Um, I also hope that if you love this episode, you check out her podcast, The Awkward Mom Stage. Um, I'm going to read to you just a little bit about it from her website. Um, The Awkward Mom Stage was created as an open journal of her journey through life and motherhood and she decided to turn it into an open discussion where her listeners can go on life's journey with her why go through life alone when you can do it with friends right i'm on a journey to find myself learning to manifest the life and love i want be a better wife and mother and learning how to take time out for self-care so her episodes drop every wednesday they they get into topics of sex love motherhood life and more she discusses current topics interview women who are killing it in their fields and much more she said she's had her fair share of awkward moments and she can't be the only one uh she said she thinks every stage of motherhood is awkward from making friends as an adult meeting new mom friends that won't judge your parenting in life finding love after heartbreak reigniting the lost spark in marriage finding your way back after living yourself body positivity woes and more and i read that and i'm like whoa this is incredible because we've talked so much about all those themes from making themes from making adult friends to we had you know uh Debbie, the love coach on last um, December to talk about sex and how to keep the passion alive, especially when we were in like lockdown mode. So anyway, uh, Lola and I have a lot in common. Obviously, we're both passionate about podcasting and um, I hope that you guys will go find her podcast because um, she is a wealth of knowledge and I'm excited to have her here today. Um, You will also see on her website, she has a guide that is seven steps to navigating a miscarriage. And I just want to throw that out there. I know two people who have miscarried um, in the last six months and I'm obviously more present to this because of uh, the fact that I'm pregnant. A lot of people are talking to me about pregnancy. Maybe I'm more aware of it too, just because uh, it's I'm pregnant. <laughs> so, at the moment when you're when I'm recording this, so something um, if you are going through or a friend of yours is going through, um, feel free to send that resource over to them. I just think it's incredible. So, um, very excited today for the discussion around postpartum depression. Uh, postpartum anxiety, miscarriage, and then also just how she's built her podcast and um, what being a mom to three kids is like that are all five years apart, which is pretty neat. So um, thank you so much to Lola for coming on and you guys can find all the ways to connect with her in the show notes. Um, Little tiny mini update on me in case I don't put this anywhere else. Um, I finally had a semi-productive doctor's meeting today <laughs> um, at 37 weeks and, you know, it's we're going to laugh like when this drops and I'm going to be like, yeah, and I didn't have a natural birth or I did have a C-section because right now I want to have a natural, no epidural um, vaginal birth, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I also predict that I'm going to go past my due date, but even so, this would be, this would be dropping after the baby's here. So um, I am... Just hanging in there, trying to 
stay calm and um, productive at the same time, doing a lot of laundry, a lot of baby's laundry. And Jeff and I have taken nesting out of the nursery and we've we've started doing other projects. Like we decided we were going to paint our bedroom and then we decided we were going to make Jeff's the loft upstairs in our house into uh, an office and enclose it. So, you know, why not? Three weeks out from the due date. <laughs> So the contractors are coming tomorrow, literally, and we have less than 20 days till our due date. So wish us luck. Enjoy this episode. Um, If you are a new listener and you're like, oh, I want to see if she had the baby, you can find me at Garrett and for Nicole Garrett and Wood on Instagram or the podcast handle at Dare to Move Podcast. So, all right, enough about me. Without further ado, I introduce Lola. All right, Lola, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I am excited to sit down with you because you interviewed me recently, so I feel like I know you a little bit more than than sometimes other people, which is great. Yeah, yeah, so we, that's always it's always nice to kind of come back to someone that you already know because you you feel comfortable now. You have like a a conversation that you already started. Yeah. So your, um, podcast, the awkward mom stage, uh, I felt sort of inadequate at times just because I'm in route to being a mom, but I'm not quite there yet. However, (laughs) you did ask me a really incredible question at the end. And I thought it would be fun to kick off our interview today with that same question, because you are a total veteran mom, you're a pro. And, um, and so I think it would be a fun place to start. So the question was, um, what is the worst advice you were given, uh, about motherhood? It could have been before your first, your second, your third, but what was the worst advice you've ever been given? Oh goodness. The worst advice. I feel like for the longest, like everyone was always, oh, don't you'll sleep. Well, now everyone's like, you should sleep when the baby sleeps. But that before someone was like, oh yeah, just try and get all of your stuff done while your baby's asleep. So that way when the baby's awake, you don't have to worry about it. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. And then when I had my first, I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense because now I'm even more exhausted. I don't get any rest. I am constantly up because if the baby's asleep and I stay awake and then the baby's awake, I have to stay awake. I can't go to sleep when she's, when she's awake. (laughs) So I'm like, who, who did, who made this? (laughs) Why would you tell me this? This was the worst advice ever. Like I'm exhausted and then a friend was just like, no, sleep when the baby sleeps. Like that was probably the best advice for me because you're so exhausted, especially if you're like a first time mom, this is your first baby. You don't know what to expect. Now you have this new human and you're just already exhausted from birth. So to come home and then fall right back into home and housework and everything else and just never have any time for you that it's exhausting just thinking about it so I think that was probably the worst advice was just try and get all your stuff done while the baby's asleep because it's quiet it's like no no that's your time to rest do not do anything but rest (laughs) such such good advice this is gonna drop when I'm I I think about gonna be about two months postpartum depending on when my baby actually comes. Uh, and okay. so, and there's a lot of women I know with similar um, due dates as me. And so I know that they're, they're really taking this advice because it's, 
something that I think before you know anything about a newborn, like I used to think about some of my friends who had babies earlier. I'm like, why don't they just like do their emails when their baby's sleeping? And now I get it. Right. So (laughs) thank you for that. Um, Before we go any further into all of the amazing uh, words of wisdom you'll have for the listeners on motherhood and the awkward mom stage, um, I do want to ask you the question I ask everybody, which is just, who are you? Who are you as a human being before work, before any titles? Um, Yeah. How would you describe yourself? Oh, well, I love reading. That's something I've always loved to do. I love a good story. So if it's not reading, it's movies. So that's kind of what I like to do outside of everything else. That's just my favorite thing is immersing myself in a new story. So whether it's a book or an audiobook or a movie, that's usually how I try and like take myself out of out of real life for a minute and just kind of put myself somewhere else and then just let my mind relax so I can come back and like feel like I can kind of do everything I need to do so I think for me I'm just a really I'm introverted by nature but also extroverted at the same time but people drain my energy sometimes just being around them so taking myself out of life with a story is all has always been my favorite thing. I have a great imagination. So that was definitely something that I've taken with me through life. Wow. I've never got that answer. And I self-identify as a storyteller. So we have that in common, like the, awesome. the, the nature of the story. And, um, it's funny because there's all this stuff out there right now with mindfulness and meditation. And I so believe it. I'm a practicer of meditation, but I've always thought they've got to do research on how de-stressing it is to just like Netflix and chill is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. you really do escape and you come out of that high beta thinking mode with your brain. So um I have to ask, do you do you feel like having kids has made you reconnect to your like inner child or anything like that with storytelling? Or stories? Kind of, yeah. I think. I think children are like the it's hilarious to listen to them tell a story because it's all over the place but their imaginations are so amazing like just the stories that they come up with you're like how how did you even put that together (laughs) so I think just having children you get to kind of pull yourself back into that that childhood era and kind of learning through their eyes and even especially with COVID and everyone being at home we got to see that a lot more, just our children's imagination, whether outside or in the house or whatever game they were playing. So yeah, definitely having children has, it kind of brings the inner child out of you. I love it. Did you always know you wanted kids or was that something you decided, um, I don't know, later on in life or were you that like five-year-old that has just always known? I think, I think I've always known at one point when I was around like 16 or so I was like eh, maybe I'll have kids later on in life but I've always known that I wanted to be a mom that's always been in my little books as soon as I had my first crush and I was making our pretend baby names like (laughs) that has always been something that I wanted I think I just never knew when but I always knew I wanted to be a younger mom I knew I, I didn't want to have them too late in life I wanted to still be able to kind of learn and grow with them so Mm -hmm. I mean I I had my first 
at 18. So it was a little earlier than I planned, but I still got to grow with my oldest and kind of, as I was a child, she was still a child. So we're learning, I'm learning as a mom and I'm learning as a person. It's kind of, it teaches you how to be definitely more patient. It teaches you about just life in general and things that aren't as important as they may have seemed before. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think I've always known I wanted to be a mom. It's just the universe kind of turned me into one earlier than planned, but yeah, I definitely always knew. That's really cool. I, um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who is almost 20 weeks pregnant. By the time people are listening, she's well past probably like 22 weeks, but we were just talking about how, you know, the human body is, you know, able to produce a healthy baby at what, for some women, it's as early as 11 for other people, it's 15. And I had a woman, um, do my uh, blood work at, at, um, a doctor's appointment during pregnancy who said she had had her first, I think at 19. And then she had her third at 33. And she was like, I would never do it again. She's like, you're not going to know a difference having your first at 30. She's like, but let me tell you the difference between 19 and having one in my thirties was so different. And so anyway, my friend and I were talking about just how, you know, logically it, it sounds great to say, you know, get, get your career together, get your like mature relationship together, do all those things, check all those boxes, then have a baby. It sounds logical, but biologically it's like you're, you did the right thing biologically, <laughs> like your body was yeah. in a great spot. So what's your take on that? Yeah, you can definitely tell the difference since my first, I didn't even really, I couldn't even really tell I was pregnant for the first six months. I didn't really, the only thing I had was like slight morning sickness, but it wasn't anything compared to my other pregnancies. It was like a breeze. Like I was like, Oh, is this pregnancy? Like this is all right, I can do this. This is, this is good. Like you really don't notice a lot of changes with your first for like the first few months because it's so new and you don't really know what to expect. And then with my second, I went from having one at 18 to then being in my later twenties, it's a little different. And you start to feel those differences with like joints and everything else. You're like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. pregnancy didn't feel like this before. And with my second I was sick for the first four months so it I was like oh wait this is like an all all the time thing I thought you guys said this was just morning sickness Mm -hmm. it's like oh no it can be all day it can be every day it can be four months and for me it was four months and I definitely felt not necessarily in my body I don't feel like I was any more tired I just think like my joints and my body kind of stretched a little different and then with my third I definitely felt a difference because I was almost 30. So I was just like, Oh, wow. Okay. Pregnancy is it's exhausting. Like, I feel like your body knows what to do. So it changes faster and kind of gets you in the groove of things earlier, the more children you have, but you definitely feel that difference in like Mm. your joints and just everything. You're more tired, the more children you have, your body's just like, okay, like this is what we need to do. Sometimes your body will just force you to rest. (laughs) It's going to make you tired. Like, Oh no, ma'am, we're sitting down. We're relaxing. Our legs hurt. Our feet hurt. We're getting swollen faster. So yeah, you definitely notice those differences. Oh man. I'm sure a lot of people (laughs) listening are like, yep, I've, I've experienced that. (laughs) And it's hard because like hindsight's 2020, but 
would you say that if someone can to go the younger route or do you think it as long as you feel good about having the baby that you know any age call it 18 to 45 is ideal like what's your do you have an opinion on that or are you kind of like you know trust your timing I really think it depends on the person just how healthy you feel because Mm. I have a friend who's 40 and pregnant and she feels great. And then I have a friend who's 22 and pregnant and she's exhausted. So, and they both have had a child before. So Mm. I just really think if it depends on like your body and how you're feeling, if you feel, you know, great at 35 or 40, go for it. There's women that have children at 60 and and older like it's I just really feel like as long as you're healthy and your doctor feels like you're healthy and you've had your definitely have your checks and everything to make sure you know your ovulation cycle get all that under control but as far as you know don't have a baby past I wouldn't say that I would just definitely say however healthy and ready your body is Mm -hmm. is the age that you should start I think that's great advice because I think about a time in my life and I've talked to the listeners about this with, um, a lot of gut health challenges and bloating and adrenal fatigue when I was like 25, 26, 27. And I, I was sort of also meeting my now fiance in that time. And he's, he's a bit older than I am. And I remember thinking like, if we wanted to get pregnant now, I don't even think we could. Cause I don't feel, I don't feel well. Like I am not in optimal right. health. So that's such a good point because you could say, Oh, 25 is a great age or 26 is a great age. It's like, no, not if you're not well. And then similarly, my stepmom um, had her first at 41. So it's, you know, <clears throat> as, as, as long as you feel good, but I'm curious, cause I do want to kind of go into your podcast and all the fun stuff you talk about there. So tell us about the podcast. Why did you want to start it? When did you start it? What, what kind of led you there? Well, when I first started the podcast, I didn't even know I was starting a podcast. Like I just, I started it more as like an open journal because I like to write, but sometimes I'm like, I can't really like get my thoughts out on paper. So I like to say it out loud. So I'll make like voice notes, kind of like a, a voice note journal rather than writing it down. So I was like, I wonder, you know what, I'm just going to start uploading these. I think that was around the time that I saw something um, on like Google or something about Anchor. And I was like, oh, I can upload things on there. Okay, cool. There's this thing called a podcast. Not realizing that I was listening to podcasts on this website. They were actual podcasts. And I was like, oh, wait, that little purple thing on my phone says, it says podcast. What's that? So then I clicked on there and I was like, oh, there's like, this is like a thing. Like I didn't even know podcasts were a thing. So I started uploading my open journals onto my podcast in December, 2019, around the time that I was going through, I went through like a lot of big life changes in like a year and a half. So I went through a miscarriage. We went through a full state move. Um, away from family and friends. So I had no one around to kind of connect with. I was starting a new job. We were changing careers. Like it was a lot happening and I didn't really have anyone to talk to. And at the time I couldn't see my therapist because she was in another state now. So I had to find a new one. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I was just going crazy. 
And so I started doing my, my open journal voice notes and then I kind of stopped for a little bit. And then when I realized that like podcasting was a thing and like people listen to them and like them, I was like, oh, okay, well, I kind of, I want to have other people on my podcast. So then I started like bringing uh, other friends and experts on that were also moms and kind of talking about their journeys and uh, how they started their businesses and what made them start and what gets them going through the day. And then Mm. I also do kind of like a mental health check-in just to kind of show everyone that like, it's okay to like have crappy days. It's okay to go to therapy. Like you're not crazy because you need to talk to someone and learn how to, you know, better Mm. adapt to the world around you, especially when you have children, your mind is completely different and totally changes just physically and mentally. So you might need a therapist to kind of help you through those things, especially if you don't have that, if that wasn't something that your parents kind of instilled Mm -hmm. in you and you kind of felt like, because for me, a lot of things were, no, don't do that. We're not going to talk about that. Like that's Mm -hmm. something you're going to learn about in adulthood. So I just feel like talking about my experiences and then bringing other women on so they can also talk about their experiences and show that they can be more than just a mom or you know they're not the only one that feels this way they're not the only one that thinks that so I just kind of wanted my podcast to be a community of just women kind of helping other women and a place where you can go where you feel like you don't have anyone else so my podcast was kind of like a, oh, well, let's be friends, kind mm. of. <laughs> I love that. It's it's mission-driven and it's passion-driven. And we talk a lot about entrepreneurship on this podcast. And I try really hard not to, I try really hard to break the mold that one day you're just going to have this business plan that just comes into your life and you just follow the steps because what you just shared is usually how it happens. You're curious about something. You're excited about something. It's an outlet for you. It's creative. And you kind of like weave your way. And then all of a sudden you have this thing that you created. So I love hearing that way that you just kind of followed your passion and also taking care of yourself. I mean, we're coming off of the day, um, we're recording this the day after Meghan Markle talked about not feeling okay after having a baby. I mean, that is something that she was... I got goosebumps when she was saying, cause I've been there and I know so many people have, where she's just like, I was ashamed to, sh- to say it, but I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really appreciate you bringing that up. And to your point about like writing, I switched over from blogging, um, as like blogging and writing to podcasts because it's so much more forgiving. <laughs> it's okay yeah. if we say, um, or we, you know, correct ourselves. It's, it's, it's much faster to get the message out. And to your point, the message is what matters. So um, a couple of things you said, I want to kind of pull out because it feels really important. Um, so I do want to talk about postpartum depression. And I also want to talk about miscarriage. It sounds like you have created a space for women to tune in, to talk about that and how heavy that is and how hard that can be. So how have you explored that um, with sharing your story, but also maybe other guests that you've had on? Miscarriage was hard for me because I had for me I my all of my children come early they all come at about 35 36 weeks that's just when my body is like okay girl like we're done my third was my longest pregnancy she was the closest to 40 weeks ever she was like 38 so I was like oh okay this is 
kind of close to what a full-time pregnancy feels like. If I get pregnant again, we'll probably go even longer. So when we, when I got pregnant with my fourth, I, we weren't like planning it or anything. Obviously we know how it happens, but it wasn't like in the books of like, we're trying for a baby. So I only get pregnant really every five years. That's just how my body works. Um, so all of my children are five years apart. So we looked at the calendar and we're like, oh, okay, we're at that, we're at that five-year mark. So, okay, this is happening. So then we kind of were preparing for baby. So I had never really had any other complications in any of my other pregnancies other than preterm labor, which they didn't really feel was extreme because my children still came out and they still thrived and they were healthy. They're just small babies. So my doctor didn't really feel like there was anything that we needed to worry about. So I just went along with working and everything else and doing what I normally do. And then around 14 weeks, because she was my fourth, I already knew what to look for. So I started to feel like little flutters and stuff. And then I was like, oh, okay, so we're moving right along. We had already found out her gender. We had already named her um, and we had already told everyone. So I think it was my about almost, I was almost, I would have been almost 16 weeks. I went to my doctor for like my regular checkup and I was getting checked. So that way we could schedule my first ultrasound. And um, we went in, it was like a regular doctor's appointment. And I remember laying down and then he did the little Doppler and there was nothing there. And I was like, okay and he was like oh you know that's normal sometimes the baby's asleep or whatever we can't find them so then when she when he kept trying to find her and couldn't find her I was like oh no like that's not right this has never happened before so the whole experience of miscarriage was a mystery to me because Mm -hmm. I no one had ever talked about it really I think I had maybe heard about miscarriage a few times and passing from other women and most of the time I heard about miscarriage it was for women that were going through like IVF or they were having like extreme infertility so I never knew that like someone that already had healthy pregnancies Mm -hmm. could have a miscarriage so I was like well that that's not right like this something has to be wrong like I had to have done something wrong or whatever because there's no way like Mm -hmm. all of my other pregnancies were fine And so I started kind of like looking around on the internet and searching like hashtags and stuff to like see if anyone else had had a late miscarriage. Cause I was like, what does that even mean? Because we were already past that kind of sweet spot. I guess you would say that they always tell you like, Oh, once you pass this point, you're good. And you don't have to worry about miscarriage Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I was like, Oh, okay. You know, we're past that point. So this doesn't make any sense. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. am I the only one? And then I just kind of fell into this world of women who had miscarriages and they were late miscarriages. There were, you know, stillbirths. There were later than my miscarriage. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, how come they don't really talk to you about this at all when you go to the doctor? Like, they kind of tell you like, oh, you know, these are the risks, but they kind of throw it off like it's like eh, it it won't happen to you kind of like you Mm -hmm. you kind of get that feeling of like oh yeah you know I'm fine he thinks I'm fine so this isn't going to happen to me they're not talking to healthy women or women who have had more than one 
live birth about the risks of miscarriage. Like, hey, you know, these are things that could happen. I don't want to, you know, like, obviously you don't have to go into like a full rundown of the horror, but kind of give me the heads up so I know, you know, mm-hmm. what to look for. So I'm not like, wait a minute, this isn't right. This is this is not what they say in the books. Nobody says anything about this. So I wrote out my, I, I went and I wrote out my whole um, miscarriage story. But when I did, I waited, I want to say I waited a little while after we found out, after I had my DNC, after I recovered, because it was such, for, it was weird because the first feeling for me was more shame than mm. um than like oh you know like oh I can't I can't really tell people about this you know I I can't say anything about this because this is clearly my fault and that's kind of the first thing that ran through my mind and then it was like okay well maybe I just won't say anything at all and then we'll just kind of let everything settle and then I'll get pregnant again and we'll just start off start back up where we left off we just won't say anything and then I was like no that's not normal either. So mm. I took some time to kind of like sit, sit in it, think about it, tell our kids, talk to our family, and then kind of tell people about it because I also wanted people to know what the experience was like mm. because it's a, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's a very scary feeling so sorry yeah no you're fine it's I'm sure there's women with us right now (laughs) feeling this and I really appreciate you sharing (sighs) because yeah it's it's a very scary feeling so to feel so alone yeah doesn't help yeah, that was, I think that was the toughest part. Mm. I'm so sorry. Was to feel like no one knew. Yeah. So. It's it's it timely for me to hear this too, because I have a friend who um, has two healthy babies and just went to the exact same thing on the exact yeah. same timeline you just told. And like, you're not alone in that. And I think to your point, until maybe Instagram and podcasting and vlogging, people were being vulnerable like you. Like it was just something you're just like, oh yeah, that doesn't happen. Like I had to educate my fiance to be like, even at like 26 weeks, I had to be like, hey, just so you know, our old neighbor miscarried or had a stillbirth at 29 weeks. Hey, like, yeah, like I was trying to mentally prepare both of us just because you really don't know until you're in it. And to your point, like the the feeling that you might have caused it or something is unnecessary shame that just makes the whole, I can imagine healing process even worse. So was there anything that you had that you found solace in, um, whether that was your podcast or other women's stories, or you said like eventually just saying like, I got to share this that really helped you that could help other women get through this? Uh, Definitely for me, it was talking to other women that were I went and I found like groups um and just different 
like Instagram pages that kind of had other women sharing their stories and just kind of I actually had a few friends that had gone through the same thing and we never knew so Mm -hmm. um we all kind of you know talked about that and just talking to other women hearing their stories and then being like yeah like this was I knew nothing about it I didn't know this was a thing Uh, I felt like it was my fault just everyone kind of sharing and the just the the things people say when people have miscarriage is always just especially if you already have children I feel like people are really uneducated on how they should speak to someone that has a miscarriage Mm -hmm. I I don't think it comes from a place of malice I think it comes from they have no clue they just don't understand right so they're just trying to fill that silence because they don't really know what to say so they just say whatever and you're just like okay it's it's, right like they're like oh well you know at least you already have kids and it's like okay well they're not interchangeable like I I love them all but you know like I still wanted this one like it's not something you can go to the store and and buy another one of so yeah I wasn't trying to replace the ones I already had I we were adding to our family so that's definitely I feel like that's like one of the number one things I hear from moms that had children and then had a miscarriage people like oh well you already have kids so you should just be thankful for those and it's like okay well calm down I was thankful for my children that I already had I just also was thankful for this one that I lost so I think it it needs to be more education kind of across the board both for the women Mm -hmm. that are pregnant and for the people that aren't pregnant and have no idea what to say yeah it's so um you know like I said with Instagram there's so much vulnerability there are women sharing their IVF journey their surrogate journeys their miscarriages um women posting from the DNC like the room before they go in I mean it's so vulnerable it's so candid I think it's really powerful and I also think it, it, it makes people, some people worried, like, like, um, almost too much too. So it's like, we just all have to hold space for each other. Um, because like, so for me, for instance, I shared right when I was 12 weeks fully educated because of Instagram thanks thanks to Instagram and women like you sharing their stories that I was like, and, and I could miscarry in two weeks. And I took, I made that decision to share because I wanted to honor this baby, whether he, I didn't know it was a he at the time, but whether he made it to the next day or full term. And that right. was my, that was my personal decision. But I also have friends who right now are like almost so aware of it because we're finally hearing about it that they're like, I'm right. not posting till 20 weeks. You know, I'm not sharing right. I, or women that I know post miscarriage they get pregnant again. And they're like, I'm not even going to tell anyone until this baby is in my arms. And, you know, there's no right or wrong way, but I think that the awareness around it and women like you sharing their stories is, is so helpful because otherwise, how do we, how do we know who to turn to, who to go to, uh, and so on. So have you had, um, any like, um, experiences and I, I hate to, I, I will, we'll bring this up to other subjects too. This is, another heavy one, but I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't personally worried about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety because I'm gearing up for motherhood for the first time. Um, I do have a lot of experience with sleep deprivation, which is just 
weird from a (laughs) crazy job that I had. Um, (laughs) but aside from that, like my, my gut tells me I would probably end up with a postpartum anxiety because I, my mind is constantly like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? So, um, what has that experience been like for you with either anxiety or depression? If you've had that or any of your guests on your show have, have talked about that, what have you found helpful to be? Um, I, well, I struggled with anxiety for, for years. So, and then I had, uh, from childhood trauma, I had depression or I had struggled with that already. So I had a hold on it before having children. Mm, That's powerful. And then after Mm. having my first, since I was young and it was my first, she wasn't it it was harder with her because she was she was a, a preterm baby and my first child so that in itself was a lot and at the time I didn't realize I had postpartum depression but looking back on it and knowing what it is now I did mm. and no one said anything again about that at the doctor no one talked to me about postpartum I didn't even know it existed So when I had my son, I fell into a deep postpartum depression. I, it wasn't to the point where I I didn't want to, you know, be with my child. It was to the point where I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to be at home. I didn't want anyone around. I just wanted to be there with my baby and I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, this, this just doesn't seem right. Like I'm, I'm not this isn't my normal self. I feel different. And my husband would kind of be like, yeah, like, like what's going on? Like your mood's kind of different. And at the time I was trying, I got on birth control about, I want to say two weeks after my kids, every, every time they put me on birth control right after the baby. So I feel like my body in itself was just all over the place. Mm -hmm. I had my hormones everywhere from birthing a child that's trying to heal then they're like here put these in your body so you don't have any more kids so then that's changing everything my cycle's trying to regulate so it was just I feel like everything was going haywire and it did not help my depression and I feel like that it also kind of tied into the birth control I was taking it the depo shot has a lot of uh issues Mm. a lot of people have issues with the depo shot i had two different types of that shot and they reacted differently um but they both did not help my depression Mm. so when i first started kind of feeling symptoms of it i went to my doctor and i was like hey you know this is what i'm feeling this is what's going on and she's like oh you're probably depressed here's some medication wrote me a prescription that was it we didn't really we didn't have a conversation about oh what's going on at home you know like how's baby how's breastfeeding we didn't do any of that she was just like what are your symptoms what are you feeling depression prescription and I was like okay so then I left filled the prescription and I was like okay well I guess I'm supposed to take these and this will fix everything So I started taking that medication with the longest name ever that I couldn't pronounce. (laughs) And I was like, well, this is just making me feel worse. Mm. Now I'm having suicidal thoughts. Wow. So I was like, 
Okay, I and when I the the medica- the medication I was on was also a medication that my sister who has multiple sclerosis they also gave her for depression. Hmm. So that right there, you're giving two people with two different diagnoses, two different age groups the same drug. But yeah. you're not nobody's kind of sitting down and like going over things or just like yeah this is what you need wow so my sister my sister was like yeah like that same medication made me suicidal and it didn't make me it didn't make me feel any better it made me feel worse so Mm -hmm. she stopped taking it and I was like yeah like I I can't do that so I stopped taking that and I went to my therapist I I went and I found a therapist and I was like this is what's going on this is the medic because they had they sent me to a psychiatrist they were like we're gonna have you checked out and he was like yeah yeah this is the medication that you need and I was like I just I don't want to take that like it it makes me feel crazy I don't like it so I was like I'm gonna go talk to a therapist I I want to get out of the medication side and Mm kind of see it has to be something within my body somebody has to know something that's not going to make me feel worse I need to feel better I have children at home I have a husband at home I have a life I don't want to feel this way and everything you're giving me is making me feel worse so I went to a therapist and I was kind of talking to her about what was going on and just she was like okay well if you don't like that medication you know kind of you can stop taking it or wean yourself off of it and then kind of see how you feel see if feeling your feelings and mm. kind of talking to someone about what you're feeling will help and that's kind of what I did I, I weaned myself off and kind of and asked for help because that was also something that I struggle with a lot like I have to be in control I want to make sure that I'm I'm doing it all because I'm going to be the one to do it right and mm. I, I asked for help I told people you know this is how I'm feeling like I, I'm exhausted and I'm trying to do everything and I'm crying all the time and I don't know why the baby's crying and I don't know why and a lot of times the baby was crying because I was crying like she felt my sadness, sadness yeah. and he felt my anger or whatever I was feeling and they were like oh well, I guess this is what we're supposed to do mommy's crying I'll cry too mm-hmm. so sometimes your you know, thoughts and, and feelings and everything can kind of transfer your, your baby knows just like your, your dog kind of knows your mood, like your baby knows too. So that also kind of helps like, Oh, okay. The the baby finally stopped crying. Like, Mm. I I don't, I don't know how, but they stopped crying and then just realizing like, okay, I I really need to get these feelings out, talk to someone Mm. else, know that I'm not crazy. Like I'm not the only one. And then stop stuffing me with medications that are just masking the problem and then making things worse. And then with my third, I had a postpartum, but again, I was on the same birth control and it reacted differently in my body as far as like mood swing. Um, The last time I, I took it with my son, with my second I had the worst mood swings, but did not know. I was a completely different person, Mm. but I didn't, I felt the same, but everyone else was like, oh no, you were really like, it was one minute you were mad. The next minute you were sad and crying. We couldn't figure it out. 
it was a lot. And I was wow. like, really? Like I had no recollection. So I had stopped taking it and they switched me on like another birth control at the time. But then after my third, they were like, oh, well, there's like a new shirt. They did a new mixture or whatever. So try it again. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. Because the depo shot stopped it, stopped you from getting pregnant for three months at a time. So you don't have to, you know, take a pill every day. They kind of sell it to you that way. Like, oh, you don't have to remember it. It's always there. They don't tell you that a lot of people can get pregnant and have gotten pregnant. In fact, on the depo. Wow. That is a thing. I have a few friends that has happened to. Wow. Um, and they just, they don't tell you all the different changes that your body could go through. Weight gain, depression, sweating, just mm. irregular periods like or no period. Well, you're supposed to not have a period at all with the depo, which in itself is not healthy if you think about it but when you're like what no period and I don't have to get pregnant great sign me up yeah that's what I want I don't have to think about it I don't have to take a pill I don't have to do anything so I was like okay yeah you know I have a new baby you got a new mixture you're a doctor you clearly know what you're talking about so I'm gonna do that so I got back on that pill this time I didn't necessarily I didn't have the mood swings as bad they were still there but they weren't as bad, I guess, but the, I had like profuse sweating and I had never sweat before (laughs) and depression. And I was like, what, how, like, I'm not on this Medicaid. I'm not on any other medications. I'm talking to a therapist. What's happening this time. And they're like, Oh yeah, you can in fact still have postpartum depression. It can reoccur. Like this is not something that just, you get it one time and you're done though like mm-hmm. it can happen every single time you have a baby yeah. luckily this time I was able I, I was able to kind of talk with my therapist and get a different groove going to where I could get off of birth control yeah and kind of go the natural birth control route just because I was like I just feel like birth control is really screwing me up whether it's mentally or physically or my menstrual cycle I just, I can't do it anymore. So I stopped taking that and I didn't take any other medication and just did therapy. And that was kind of, for me, what helps me because I know that there are some people that can take medication or do take medication and it works great for them. But just for me personally, it was just not, it wasn't working. It masked the problem and almost made them worse. Wow. So with postpartum depression, it can happen after every child. And I had it after every child. The only difference is I didn't realize with my first versus my third. Wow. Wow. There's so much there. And it's just so helpful to hear. Like, I am so grateful for you being here because we've had on um, a woman who's an entrepreneur, who's never had kids, who started a company to, it's called Well Nested, to really help women start thinking about the fourth trimester to give them the support they need so Mm -hmm. that if what you're talking about happens, you have the the support in place. And then we've had two nurse practitioners come on who have like a prenatal and postnatal kind of like virtual class that you can take to feel prepared and they prepare you for birth and all this stuff. But to your point, you don't know how your body's going to react. And from everything I've learned, it's like, 
it would be weird if you didn't have a physical reaction, given that you're birthing a baby, your hormones are doing this. And I, I think most women listening know that <clears throat> like I get anxiety thinking about taking a new birth control because birth control has always made me feel awful, like right. awful. The last thing I want to do when I'm already doing this, like they say night sweats are like <clears throat> one of my doctors said night sweats are common for some women, of course, who knows who, how many, uh, in the postpartum phase. So it's like, you're going through night sweats, you're going through all the stuff. And then you throw birth control on top of it. It's like, like, I just, I love hearing how hard you advocated for yourself, because even when you were telling the part of the story where after your first, you went into the doctor, like I was thinking about it. I'm like, if I was going through postpartum depression, I don't have a therapist. Um, I have like a, a spiritual teacher, but she's not a licensed therapist. Who right. would I go to? I don't even know. And so it's like, okay, right. you went the route to your OB. They gave you a thing, something that your sister with MS like took. And it wasn't until you checked the box of going to psychiatrist, didn't feel good in your gut about that and got to a therapist that you're like, okay, I'm going to find what works for me. And so I think it's just a really good lesson for everybody to really trust your gut and to know that better is possible. Like when you were describing like, this isn't me. Like, ah, this isn't really how I'm, how I am that like right. you can feel like yourself and it might be a journey, but I just, I so, um, admire you bringing up to asking for help, advocating for yourself. And I know that this story will stay with a lot of people. Um, but it did make me want to ask you prior to postpartum. Um, and this is coming from my own personal experience. Did you have a good experience with your OB uh, or, or no? Cause I've had pretty much an awful time <laughs> with doctors. I, a lot of my OBs and gynecologists, oddly enough, were men. And I feel like a lot of times with male gynecologists, not, you know, knocking them or anything, they're great. Some are amazing, but I just feel like it's not as personal because I didn't have that personal of a connection with my gyno until I got a female because I never felt comfortable enough to be like this is what I'm going through this is what my body is doing and them actually listen I feel like a lot of doctors especially male doctors don't necessarily listen when women tell them certain symptoms. They're just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's normal. A lot of women have it. It's fine. It'll go away or take this yeah. for it or do this for it. And it's kind of like a, a one, a one size fits all. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how this works. Like we're all mm -hmm. different and we're not all crazy or yeah. over exaggerating. These are actual things that we're feeling. And it's caused by something and it would be great if you could listen yeah. and maybe we could figure out another way. And so for, I think I didn't have a good relationship with my gynecologist until I was well into adulthood in my 30s and had a female gynecologist and was actually able to be like, hey, this is this is what's going on. Is this normal? This is what's been happening. Is this normal? And them actually listen and understand because a lot of them have been through what they're mm -hmm. a doctor for. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's the female body and they kind of understand it, but it, it really took me finding a doctor 
that would listen because I even had female gynecologists that I felt weren't necessarily listening. They were just, it mm-hmm. was a female who wrote me the prescription. I just feel like they just kind of want you in and out sometimes. And you just yeah. really have to find that doctor that you feel comfortable sitting down and being like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think? And then sit in be like, okay, like, this is what's going on. This is, these are your options. And just kind of like talking through a plan for for Mm -hmm. you, not the same plan they've given the last eight patients they had. Yeah. It's so helpful to hear. And, um, even to your point earlier in our conversation about like the whole miscarriage thing and them not even bringing it up, not talking about it, I I will say like, I'm so glad that generally speaking, aside from asthma, I'm a pretty healthy person. I'm pretty active. I eat pretty well. And like, there were no red flags, but even still, I like joke with my fiance. I'm like, if I hadn't gone to the doctor this whole time, like I wouldn't like the doctor hasn't done anything for me that has been helpful. Like besides the anatomy scan at 20 weeks, I haven't learned anything. They haven't prepared me for anything. Everything I've come to is like been like from people like you on podcasts and Instagram and people sharing their stories. Um, as far as, you know, what to bring for the hospital, how to prepare for postpartum, what all the things. Right. And so it's interesting that you had this a similar experience and the practice I'm at right now, it's like, you can go to, they, it's like a group of doctors. So you kind of just like mm-hmm. get whoever's on the schedule, which is good in theory, except like last week I had my first ever experience with a male doctor and he just, he never stopped talking and he didn't even let me ask a question. He just was like in and out. Right. And the woman I saw today was like, Oh, I know who you saw last week. I it explains why you have a lot of questions today. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, shouldn't there be some like training and like bed- right. bedside manner? Like, so I just again I just appreciate you sharing your experience because I'm like, I'm sure I'm not alone, and I'm sure other people have had this. And for people listening, I think just to remember to advocate for yourself, like you're saying, and like keep trying for someone that will listen and, and really be present is important. And I'm gonna personally um work on that. And I guess maybe to shift gears a little bit. I would love to know, like, af- now that you've been through motherhood many times over, with like the title of your podcast, which I love, the awkward mom stage, like, what would you say is if you were to pick a time period, whether it's like first trimester, third trimester, uh, when you have a newborn, when you have a ten-year-old, when you have a five-year-old, like for you, what was the most awkward part of of motherhood, like? Is there really one stage for you or one moment? I feel like there's a, it's, it's all stages for me because, <laughs> because my kids are all five years apart. I have all different stages. So yeah. I have teenager and then I have almost preteen and then I still have my six-year-old. So I'm, I'm kind of juggling all of those stages which is kind of where I got my podcast name from because I was like how how do people do this how come no one (laughs) let anyone know that you were going to be dealing with three different stages of human at the same time and still keep them all alive and everything else (laughs) nobody told me any of this because dealing with a, a teenager and and dating and and every and growing into womanhood that's a whole thing in itself and then I have only I only have my son so I have one boy so I have to 
learn things about boys and I'm just like oh this is weird in itself he's almost 12 he's gonna be a man soon this is awkward for me and then I have my <laughs> six-year-old who is like a little ABC. child <laughs> an adult all wrapped into one she's like a little teenager because Aww. she's got her little personality and her development and I'm just like I this is this is nuts like no one wrote a book <laughs> about how to do this I don't know why they keep giving me these humans to take care of like this is a lot <laughs> I love that because I don't personally, I mean, maybe I'd have to think about it. I don't think I know anybody that has like personally from like, if I think all the way back to childhood, um, cause obviously like we met a week ago and I've had time to think about you and like your ages of your kids. And I'm like, I honestly don't think I, I knew people that had like, you know, every two years at most, like right. maybe one of them was like 15 months apart. And then I knew people that like maybe had like an eight-year-old and a two-year-old or something like six years apart. But, um, and then there's my family where my dad, you know, has me who's 30 as the oldest and then his youngest is four. So right. like, you know, that's just like, you know, a whole new stage. But to your point, like, um, I don't know if anyone out there is familiar with the term like brain dumping. Like I used to study for yeah. a test, right? You learn it all. As soon as you take the test, like you never think about that stuff again. And I feel like that's how parenting is for most people. Like you're in the diaper phase and then it's gone. And like, right. you're like, you've had to do all three for a long time. <laughs> like it's just really impressive. So um, what would you say is the easiest part of motherhood? And what would you say is the hardest part of motherhood if we haven't already covered it? Uh, I, I feel like the easiest part is just, just like playing with your kids. Like they're so, they're always playful. There's always like giggling or laughing. So just, if you want to uplift your mood, just be around some children because they're kind of hilarious. Like they're little <laughs> drunk people. It's funny. Yeah. And I think the hardest for me, I, I would say, is just every milestone my child has is different because I there's always one child one step closer out the door, especially with my oldest. So now I'm I'm getting into like high school and next will be college and she's almost done with high school and having to kind of like go through that phase and right now she's living in Florida so she could be closer to her father and do her and stay on her dance team so I'm already having to learn how to be away from her and I haven't since she was born so that I think is the hardest is just the milestones that your kids go through when you sit and you're like oh wow like you're growing up like you won't need me to take care of you anymore soon like mm. this is weird for me what am I gonna do when you're gone so I think that I think that's definitely the hardest part for me is is knowing that eventually they're gonna be all grown up mm. do you th it, does time really fly by as fast as they say that it does it does because I I remember my six-year-old being like a little bean and now I'm like how are you this little child that's reading now like this is weird like where did my little baby go it's so I, I think it it definitely flies especially when they're 
firstborn from that newborn stage to when they start hitting those first milestones, it just flies by. Like at first you're like, oh, I, I can't wait till they roll over. I can't wait till they crawl. And then as soon as they do, you're like, oh gosh, that stage is over. So I think ah. like, I think that's the, the, the biggest part. It's just like, oh, these milestones, uh, everything mm. that's happening. <laughs> do you feel like your podcast allows you to better, like not better embrace it. Obviously you've embraced motherhood, but to be present to it more or, um, like what, what is your favorite part about hosting a podcast that just creates space for all that is, you know, being a mom? I think my favorite part of podcasting is how much, how much I could be myself. So, uh, the people that listen to my podcast and enjoy it, are going to be my people. So I feel like I can say whatever to my mm. people. So I, I think my favorite part of podcasting is just being able to be open and vulnerable and also not having to worry about writing it down. I could just mm. say what's on my mind and know that someone's going to be like, I got you, girl. I, I know what you're, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So I think that's my favorite part is just the openness that I have with my podcast. Mm. It's a really cool thing to develop. And I think honestly, just a way to catalog your life. Like to your point, sometimes I forget like what I said, but I know right. that it's like, okay, well I said it and people listen and hopefully it helped them. And, um, it's a really, I think it's a really healthy practice too. And, you know, like this conversation we're having right now, like I'm going to remember when I'm crying and doing the dishes, you know, when I have a, <laughs> when I have a 12 week old, I'm sure. Um, and then, and it's just, I, I personally, obviously we share in this hobby and, um, you know, work that we do. So, um, it's, I feel the same way. It's really an incredible thing. Um, and I'm wondering like, if you have any standout episodes that you love that like maybe the listeners could go check out or, um, and, or, um, any episodes that did well that you were like surprised because I've like had like people on that. I'm like, Oh, this person's so cool. And then I'm going to have all these listens. And then like my fiance is like my most listened to guest sometimes. <laughs> and like, you can't make sense of it, but yeah. What do you, what episodes have you loved? Um, or what episodes have surprised you? Um, well, my most listened to episode was actually my first guest, which is my, my, uh, my sister, Jessica. She, uh, is the owner of J revive and she also has multiple sclerosis like my sister, but her diet, her diagnosis and her, uh, the way that her multiple sclerosis is, like working it's working out for her with like medication and everything so she has a completely different view on multiple sclerosis than my sister does their diagnosis mm -hmm. was it's completely different it's uh, my sister is bedridden where she you know is able to walk and talk and everything so she has multiple sclerosis and a son and she's building these businesses and I it's great that it's the uh most listened to because she also dealt with depression she also went mm. through a especially with her diagnosis and dealing with that and having a child being ill and also going through relationship uh drama and then business so wow her story and just how she's kind of gone from point a 
to a point B now doing well, thriving, Mm -hmm. her illness under control and everything was just a great story. So I think uh, that's definitely my favorite, especially because she was my first guest. So I was like, oh, thank you. Somebody's on my podcast. (laughs) So she was, her story is definitely great. That's a, that's one of my favorite episodes is her episode, just kind of, because we were both, we were both figuring out the podcasting thing and she was telling her story and I was just like, I, because there was a lot of things that I didn't even know about her story. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is like, I I love this episode. Like, this is great. And everyone else loved it too, apparently. So I love it. I also love that they live, you know, it's like evergreen. Like if I stop podcasting for a year or maybe forever, which I don't plan to, but if I did, it's like that stuff, unless I purposefully take it down, it's just out there for people to find. Like I uh, personally was a podcast like junkie for about six months before I started my own. And I just found all these ones I loved. And I was like, Oh, I'm learning all this free advice. Like I can learn about this and that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, I'm a coach. I should have one. And so I loved it, but I'm surprised that like, I have over 200 some episodes. Some of my friends have never even listened to any of my episodes and not, and that's not me knocking my friends. My point is there are people who still don't even listen to podcasts. Right. And you're like, what are you doing? Are you living under a rock? But like, you know, whatever. I think it's great for when people do want to find it, it'll always be there. And, um, I think that that's really important, but one thing just, um, on the parenting side for the listeners who are looking for more support there, I wanted to ask you earlier and I forgot, um, cause you said you love books. Do you have any parenting books, um, that you recommend or children's books that you recommend? Mm parenting how I I didn't read like all like the parenting books I went straight to like the self-help books because I was like the I feel like the parenting books was kind of like cookie cutter in a way of like so until I feel like until the recent years a lot of people were just like this is what's gonna happen and this is what's gonna happen and it's like okay that's not everybody I feel like the books kind of they never answered any of my questions so I was just like Ugh, I didn't read those I, I kind of went to like the internet and other moms I think I did a lot yeah. of Facebook mom groups just like okay you guys are real moms like tell me the truth like how is this how is this working yeah. out so I think for me I went straight to the self-help just because of I think with my troubles with depression and everything else, I was just like, okay, no one else is talking about this. This is clearly just a me thing. So let me try and figure out what's going on in my mind. And that's kind of where I fell into like self-help books, self-learning and uh, meditation, manifestation, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I kind of went on like a spiritual journey and did a uh, super attractor. I really loved that book by oh, Gabby Bernstein. Um, and just different books like that, that kind of helped me get inside my mind because I felt like with parenting books, it's kept telling me things that weren't working for me. Like the things they were telling me for like sleep training, I'm like, okay, well, it's not working for my kid. And then I went on the internet and I was talking to another mom and she's like, well, well, try this. This is what I had to do with my third. Just try that. And I was like, oh, it worked. Oh my gosh. 
So I just, I was like, no, the parenting books, I'm not going to do it. I don't even give those as gifts anymore. I'm like, no, you, you want some real parenting advice? Just ask me. I'll tell you if I experienced it or not. If not, I'm pretty sure I have a friend that has. So yeah. it was definitely self-help for me uh, that I enjoyed the most. That's so helpful to hear. One, because I love self-help books and um, we talk about mindset, manifestation, all those things on this podcast all the time. Uh, so I'm sure the listeners will love to hear that. I, I don't think anyone has brought up um, Super Attractor though. I really don't think I've had anybody um, bring up that book. So I'll link it in the show notes for people because I haven't personally read it, but I've heard a ton of good things. And Gabrielle Bernstein's amazing. So um, I will definitely link that. Um, what are you looking forward to with your podcast and where can people uh, find it? With my podcast, I'm looking for, I think I'm just looking forward to like learning more. I, when I started this podcast, I was just diving into podcasts. So I was lit. I was like, I binged the, uh, my favorite murder. I binged all of their episodes, just trying to like, li I listened from start to finish and I could kind of like, you can hear like the changes and the development in their podcast because I was, I'm just so interested in how other people are developed. Cause I'm like, how, how do people do this? Like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I was just Googling stuff and I'm like, Oh, okay. You do this. And then you put this together and this is how you edit. So uh, it's always interesting to me how other people are developing their podcast and I feel like the podcasting community has just been really really great it's a really open and helpful community to be in so it's just been really fun meeting new people even when I met you on LinkedIn like yeah. I was like oh this this is like a whole new world like these I didn't even know these people existed this is great and I've just been finding new podcasts and I love listening to podcasts especially if I'm driving yeah. I'm always in the car especially as a mom in the mom car line, I've always got a podcast going or if I'm cleaning or something, podcasts are usually playing if I'm not playing music. So mm. I definitely have really enjoyed learning and kind of getting into the podcasting community. Mm. And you guys are on, um, your podcast is on, I'm assuming Apple, Spotify, kind of all the, if all the places Anchor puts it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh Buzzsprout is my host now. So I believe I'm on every platform now, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. And then do you have, um, you guys have your podcast page, the awkward mom podcast stage podcast. What is the handle again? Sorry. It's at the awkward mom stage, uh, on Instagram Perfect. and awkward mom stage without the T H E on Twitter. Perfect. Okay. So we'll link those so people can all go tune in. Um, and, and it's easier for people. If you go on the awkwardmomstage.com, it has all the links there. So people don't have to kind of like jump oh, everywhere, oh. kind of links you everywhere. So you can go oh, perfect. to the that. website as well. And that will just kind of take you everywhere you want to go. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. And, um, Thank you again so much for your time. It's been awesome to just meet you and have like a real, this is my first ever real like story with um, like someone who's open to sharing about all the things that can happen in pregnancy, postpartum. And um, I just really appreciate you sharing all that today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I think this is like my most fun like interview 
And when I interviewed you, I was like, this is so easy to talk about. Like, I'm having so much fun just (laughs) talking about being a mom. So this was great. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm glad we could do it. Yeah, definitely.